Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. I once I want to buy a stock because I feel the charts right. I feel the story right. I feel the fundamentals right. I want to go ahead and just get in it. Using options because with options, you can have more leverage and it, it becomes a better game, in my opinion, because you can you can do a lot more with options. Like you can have different strategies. You can lever up or lever down versus just buying a stock. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. I just released the second edition of the Triple Stock Profit System ebook, and you can get it free when you head to triplestockprofits.com right now. Download it free now and change your life forever. Again, that's triplestockprofits.com. Hey, don't miss out. And remember, triplestockprofits.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021 so you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online. Mitch Hotch. He is one of the producers from Benzinga. You may know him as Money Mitch, and he is on Twitter at Story Investors. Mitch, how are you doing, man? Thanks for coming online today. Well, the tables have turned, my friend. Now it's I'm on the other side. So I'm on your side. I'm, I'm, I'm more than humbled to be here. And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I'm excited to get into how I like to trade because I always think that at the end of the day, we can always learn even just small bits of knowledge from each other and try to build a, off of it. Yeah, well, well said. So, you know, I got I got to give Mitch a lot of credit. He's, he's helping me out a ton. Uh, I reached out to the team at Benzinga and I was like, hey, how can I work with you guys? I'm a content creator. My podcast is really successful. And how can I bring some of my audience to Benzinga? How can we collaborate together? And this guy right here was the brainchild of, of how we're doing that. So, man, I owe you a lot and I really appreciate you. Hey, we've got to work together. At the end of the day, we're in the same industry. There's no reason, just like companies, to be stepping on each other, especially when we're trying to grow to the heights that we're trying to get. Let's go ahead and, and let's keep growing together like we should do with our community out there. We're all trying to grow and get better. You know, Mitch, um, one thing I realized early on was I need to make this a collaborative experience versus a competitive experience. And I think that's exactly what you're you're saying there. 100%. Hey, you, know, you have had the, the fortunate ability to meet somebody who uh, has been very influential in my life. There was a, a, a man who used lots of curse words. I believe that he uh, has been around for a little bit of a, of a while, has a very strong last name, Gary Vaynerchuk. There was a day where I was watching him. I watched him a lot as we were building this company here. And he said, this is, he looked in the camera, you know, and he's like, I give you permission, go start a podcast, do it today. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go start a podcast. Six months after I started it, we were in the top 10 investing podcast. And it was literally me talking to myself in an extra room of my house. And so I, I am incredibly grateful to him, but you have a story where you've actually met the guy. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely just like you, you, you kind of mentioned, I, I was watching Gary Vee for years and years before it. Um, and it, it was something that, you know, when we're trying to really get towards the top of our own potential. Right. And that's why I was, I think finding Gary Vee, uh, Tony Robbins and, and others, even Mel Robbins had just come out with the five second rule at that time. Um, when I went to a conference and was able to see them both, and that really got me to the next level and thinking that, you know, you just always have to try to better yourself. 
that led me into the, the, the moment that you're talking now where I actually got to speak to Gary V on SPAC's attack on Benzinga. And really, I mean, it was just a great thing to have a conversation with someone that not only do you look up to, but really push you forward in your own career. Um, so I had to give him really a, a thanks and more along. Um, I still to this day take a lot of his knowledge and trying to find where the attention is. That's one thing that I know Gary V always sticks on. Just try to find where the attention is, because if we can find that, then we can find uh, moments and trends before they get to the tipping point. Right. Uh, a lot of the times once they're at that tipping point, it's too late. It's too late. The, the, the moment has already happened. Just like you talked about opening your podcast. You had a moment there to decide either do I wait? until I see another podcast do it and they're already at the top or do I go after it? And next thing you know, boom, I'm not at the tipping point. I create the tipping point. I like that. Create the tipping point. Speaking of tipping points, Mitch, what was the tipping point that got you to where you are today? Like, how did we get to this point where, you know, you're a producer for Benzinga, you're, you're working for them and, you know, we see your face all day, every day on the internets. How do we get here, man? Give me your, give me your story. Yeah. It's actually an interesting story. You know, it, 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 most people would think losing or going away from one company can be a negative thing. This was actually a positive in my life. You know, I, I first grew with beginner trading and you guys can look up that channel still going on great guy that runs it, John. Um, I have nothing against the company, nothing for it, but I, I felt I outgrew the company and it was time for me to go ahead and, and try to further my career. That's when I really met Jason Raznick on Benzinga. And one thing that I just came with Jason is with passion. One thing I definitely have for this industry is the passion to keep going every single day, whether it just be about trading or actually helping others which is really why I like doing it. I love to hear, not necessarily that someone made a big trade off of one of my ideas, but more along that they learn their process and are able to actually put it to use. They're able to actually go ahead and make their own trading ideas. And then you'll, you'll, you'll hear an idea themselves. They'll mention it to me. They'll tell me about a story stock. Um, and, and this is what it's really all come to. But how I came to Benzing was really that. I, I, I kind of moved away from beginner trading moved to Benzinga and really took it to another level. You know, Benzinga was at 13,000 subscribers at the time. I was, you know, just trying to do everything I could to get it to 100K. Now we're at 120,000. And really what it's all about is trying to build a community of traders to not only look at Benzinga as, let's say, a news site, but the stock marketplace where we all want to be, we all want to just hang out, we have the news to go off of, which is very important, you know, so it's not just something that you're just pulling out of the hat, but we're able to all come in one place. That's where I got to Benzinga now. And now it's all about just keep building on my own skills with Money Mitch, SPACs Attack, or building on, on my producing also, like we, when we run with 10 Minute Trader with you. You know, I think that's that's amazing because what you, what you have built is in my opinion, like a 180 compared to something like CNBC. So Mitch, one of my goals was to be in the financial media. Like that was like driving to me. I even have on my board over there, there's a picture of me Photoshopped on CNBC. And um, I was, that was my passion. I had no idea how I was going to get there, but I did know that if I just kept moving, pushing forward, I will achieve these goals. And so working with you guys absolutely feels like I've achieved one of those goals. But with what Benzinga has built, it's, it's the accessibility, it's the, the relationship, it's the uh, community that something like a CNBC, Fox Business or whatever doesn't have. Because those stations, they're very prim and proper. They're all wearing suits. But there's, there's the wall, right? There's the, we know what we're talking about. You need to listen to us wall. Whereas with Benzinga, it's chats all day long right? And people get yep. their inputs, people get called out, people get to talk about the ideas from the community. And I think that's what's made it grow, you know, 10 times over the course of a year, like you were saying. That's why people are flocking to it. That's why it's doing as well as it is. And, you know, like I say, excited to partner with you guys. But what got you interested in stocks, right? At one <laughs> point, Mitch was just a little guy walking the dog. And he's like, 
stocks are for me. Like there was something, what was it? I'll tell you a story. It really, it, it, it kind of goes back to even my early childhood. When I was in fifth grade, we did a little investment challenge. Um, I, I, don't, I don't even remember who the teacher was. I got to be honest. But one thing I do remember is that I bought three stocks. I bought Apple, IBM, and then I went a little bit weird and I, and I got a company that doesn't even exist anymore. But that's how it happens, right? Um, and then so at that point, you know, IBM was like the big, the big company back in the day. I mean, this is back when Apple was just barely making those big old compu- colored computers. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I went for Apple. I was like, well, I mean, in my library, the computers are, are changing more to the Apple ones than, let's say, HP. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I went and I grabbed a little bit of Apple and that's what really got me started because I ended up doing pretty well. I didn't win the challenge, of course, and that happens. But one thing it did open up to me was that stockbroking and, and doing this and trying to make a decision and, and trade was a, a, a career, like something that I could really do for, for a long time. So that's how I went and eventually went to college for finance. Um, I, I just picked finance because I thought that that could be the closest thing. Unfortunately, there wasn't a major that just said trading, even though I think there should be. Um, and definitely in colleges, I think that should that should definitely start opening up more or maybe an investment banking or something be an actual major or something that we can go into. But that's what led me to stocks. And all throughout college, I was day trading, just trying to learn my, my ropes, um, and, and then, you know, uh, with that being said, you know, lost a couple of accounts along the way. Um, but, but that's what it takes. You know, it takes you just really trying to push the edge. Um, I really wanted to get into stocks. And then what I wanted to do after, once I started getting into further and further was I realized that I, I, I want to be around this, but I also don't want the corporate pressure, right? The corporate pressure of, let's say being an analyst on a major bank and being pushed into certain ideas that might not be for you. So what I wanted to do was try to find my own my own method of trading and then push that trading and realize that, hey, if I can get it to the next skill, I can teach the process and then still do me, still do my trading, but at the same time, work on the education side of the business versus just, let, let's say, being that nine to five in an office. Hmm. You know, there's always something that I, I've talked to hundreds of people for the podcast. And there's always something in the childhood that like, you know, that there's, there's the, the mental shift and it always occurs early for me. My, my parents never really gave me the, the silver spoon. Right. I grew up in a, a double wide in rural Texas. My parents still live in that double wide. Um, so for them, investing was never about, making money, never the lifestyle that would come with a successful investor. And, but my dad did do one thing and he still does it is he would buy, um, like these, uh, paper stock certificates. Right. And he would give those as gifts. Right. So I got a few of them. I got, got one over there that he gave me when I graduated college, it was Sam Adams. And there's a little thing on the bottom which like has 20 X since he bought that, but it's like one share. And it said, you know, here's some liquid assets for your portfolio. And I was like, that's fun. I like that. And that's, that's, that was the initial spark. Right. So just the, the idea that you can do it, but I never really conceptualized and grasped it until I was um, like an adult in, in the corporate world of finance. Right. My, I actually went to school for, for, um, my, my undergrad was in, in management and my, my uh, MBA was in uh, finance concentration. And um, while in my MBA, uh, we did the, uh, like there was an investment portfolio for the, the college. And so I was one of those people who were fortunate enough to be in that class working on that. But I never really, I, even to then, I didn't want it. I didn't conceptualize and grasp and jump into it. It was only when I was an adult and I heard somebody say, um, I overheard a conversation and they were like, Hey, if you feel that Deutsche Bank is going to go down so strongly, why don't you go out and buy a put? And I was like, I've heard that word before. What is he talking about? Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I pulled out my textbook. I love telling the story. I pulled out my textbook that was as wide as it is tall. Right. And I set it down on the desk and, and the earth shakes a little bit. 
And there were two tabs in this book. One tab was for bonds and the other tab was for options. And I, I hadn't even looked at options since I had graduated college 10 years before then. And I pull it open and it was like a put the textbook definition, you know, increases in value as the price of the stock goes down. You can control hundred shares. And that, that was, that was the spark, right? I'd had little bits along the way, but it wasn't until then that it came for me. And, and for you, it sounded like it came a lot earlier, which is good. So you got to have all of your Wall Street tuition uh, probably a decade before I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't always, it wasn't always leading towards exactly that. But one thing I, I always looked at was that that was something that I could do. Because it, I, I saw how um, it, it always inspired me, you know, I, I wanted to be kind of more of a businessman and entrepreneur, but I, I think that that's, that's kind of a part of it, you know, and being an entrepreneur, you got to like outset yourself. So I wanted to do something big. I was always looking at moving to Chicago and, and, and trading options on, on the actual floor, you know, um, which is something that, you know, doesn't really happen that much anymore but it, we all had that view but when we were younger you know you'd saw like the the, the pictures of the pits and then people mm -hmm. like yelling it, it definitely excited me and then when I went to college and I was in finance um, I actually met a professor that that you know did this for a living and 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 that's what he did he did options for a long time and he taught me a lot on a lot of complicated derivatives and trying to figure out uh, like equations, um, even even how to like uh, value bonds and, and, and crazy stuff like that. And then he's the one that really kind of more along led me to day trading. Um, and, and he realized how much I, I liked making a decision, sticking to a system and, and then going after that, um, then testing it. Um, he always caught me trying to bring in a hypothesis to the way that I was speaking and, and, and looking at it like that. Um, I think that's what really helped me get to the level that I am now is that I try to take it like that, a scientific method approach, you know, um, everything that we do, even if you have the best trade, it's just a theory and theories can always change, right? And we can always adapt. And, and, and so you always have to go ahead and actually do the experiments, then look back at the data, then go back and do another experiment, maybe adjust that. And then you see the, the results that that can give you. And I think we're always going through this theory approach and there's no perfect science to trading. And I think this is what everyone needs to eventually learn. Once you're in this game for, let's say, five, 10 years, you start realizing, hey, man, there's no one way of trading. It's just I have to learn and take an approach in that scientific method of approach. And, and when I, the results don't meet the theory and the experiment, then you got to go ahead and maybe try another theory. And then you'll be able to bounce back just like uh, the, the traders that survive and make it pretty much do. They adapt. They learn to adapt if they need to. Yeah, I love that idea. The, the way of scientifically testing your, your systems and theories. You know, I, I was talking to somebody one time who, who really valued how intelligent he was. You know, one of those people, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, you think you can make money trading? Well, what's the Black-Scholes model formula? And I was like, I can go look it up and then tell it to you. But I'll be very honest with you. I don't care. I know that it makes money and I'm going to figure out a way to, to make it work. But sitting here and reciting it to you, that's not going to do us either of us any good. So yeah, those kind of people who, who think they're too smart for their own britches, that kind of people, those irritate me. Because we, we it's know people, how it is. You got to learn how to adapt. If, there's no, yeah. if, if you only have one way, I mean, good or luck. Where I was going with that good is luck. those kind of people, they're never going to be the ones who scientifically test different strategies different, different, uh, equations, different, different setups. Right. Cause they feel that they know enough. This is the way I am smart enough. Right. And you know, then, then they're part of the crowd, the 90% of traders that blow out. So yeah, your approach, I really identify with, and I appreciate cause I, I am, I am of that same vein. Right. I tell people, I, I have found every way to lose money. And the only thing that was left was how to make money. And then it was like, I better do it the other way then. That's the way. That's the way. I mean, most traders, what they end up doing is if you realize, I mean, I mean, you want to what's the definition to insanity? I mean, there's so many day traders still doing insanity right now. So ask yourself, am I being insane with my <laughs> approach? Because sometimes that answer might be yes. And if it is, just learn to adapt, learn to test and, and don't be afraid of learning who you are as a trader versus 
who they what the books try to make you be or what the strategy tries to uh, give you. What it all is is about understanding yourself, because when you understand yourself, you'll be able to get yourself in the right strategy that matches your personality. Then the results can come. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how has your strategy changed since joining Benzinga? Perfect. So one of the things is with Benzinga, you know, I can't look at charts nonstop anymore like I used to. There's be times where I'd catch myself even in the afternoons, like, what am I doing? I'm just staring at these charts right now, you know. Um, when I day traded, I loved, I loved just, I had like 15 charts up, was looking all day. And, and I always felt like there was the next opportunity was going to come. Next opportunity was going to come. Now I've taken that approach a lot slower. I, I realized I don't need to take every opportunity. What I need to do is take very, very high quality trades. So how my approach changed was that back then I used to be what's called a technical trader, pure technicals. I didn't care about the stock. I didn't care if you socially accepted it. If it was a scam or not, you know, you hear all that, that word being mentioned with a lot of stocks. I didn't care. I just cared that the stock was going to go up today and then how I was going to trade it. That did me well for a long time. And I, I did feel like I got into, I, I was in the profitability, but a lot of times that was very small profits, not enough to live off of. And so to me, that's what I was trying to get to. Like, where, where can I get this supplement income where it can actually make a difference in my life? Maybe I'm not going to be rich, but maybe it, it can help me really get to that next level. Now I take an approach a, a lot risk adverse. Uh, I, I actually increase the variables, what I would call technicals to three variables. So I try to take the approach of using three variables. My three variables are finding what I think is a story, using fundamentals. It could be even as simple as let's say analysts gave it a buy rating at 16 and the average uh, price rate uh, target for this stock is at 17. Boom. That can be as simple as it for the fundamentals. Then I'll look into the technicals and see if that also agrees with the first two. So if I agree, this is the timing for the story, I'll take that approach. Then I'll look at the fundamentals. Do do the analysts appreciate this stock? Is it, is it really something that's being followed right now? Do they have the good earnings? Did they have a good earnings report last week or something like that? Do I expect their earnings to increase? Is it seasonality coming into play? Those are all the kind of things that will focus more on the fundamental side. Then all that needs to match up to the technicals because you can have the best story. You can have the right fundamentals. And then you look at the technicals and you're like, Oh man, I don't know if I want to get in this stock. Um, so I try to use all three now to get into my trades. And with that being said, I take a lot of the times more of a diversified basket approach. Um, if I feel certain industry or sector is going to go up, I will take two, three, five, sometimes even 10 names in that industry because I'm trying to be risk adverse now versus just pushing on the risk, realizing that yes, yes, the, the ceiling gets limited by this, but also the bottom side gets limited. The risk side, the pressure, the emotional toll of trading can go a lot dimmer and you're not so, uh, let's say, emotionally invested in your trades. You can focus more and then we can get back to being more theoretical and focusing on the execution versus just like, I need, I need to win. I need to win. The need to win is not there no more. And, and I think that's, that's one of the things that I feel like I've gotten to the point that I enjoy because I can, I can understand that, Hey, we're all going to get to the point where we lose and you have to be able to take the losses and also the winners. You can't just be so uh, like emotionally invested in your winners because it's just going to create the emotional toll when you find the waves of trading. And I always say there's waves to this game. There's going to be waves where you're riding up and there's going to be waves where you're riding down and you need to just control those waves. And then what you do is if you learn how to control the down wave, eventually those up waves become, they peak higher. And those, those are what really push your return, let's say yearly. It sounds like your strategy uh, resembles the William O'Neill uh, how to make money in stocks type strategy. Are you familiar with that? The, uh, the can slim. 
Honestly, I don't know that one. Al. Really? You, you, you just should. found one that, that you know, Chris, I, I love when you bring up these b- books. There's one thing that you are, you study the market and I'm going to have to check that one out. Dude, what, I what? am. I am a student of trading. I, I mean, like it is, it's my thing, dude. Right. It has so, to yeah, be. I mean, this, you this sounds be the a best, lot like right? the, yeah. The person I was just talking to, he was a, uh, uh, what, I forget what he called it. it. He's a championship trader. It was like the Super Bowl of futures trading. I forget what he what he called it, but um, he had won it previously. And I was just talking to him like an hour ago. And he was saying that, you know, the market is 95% efficient. And that's why 90% of traders blow out. But it's the that's, 5 that's to 10% good... of people who figure it out that are really successful. That's that's a great great way to approach it. It really it really is like that. I mean, and, and the big thing is there is that why do traders a lot of the time they're, they're losing why because a lot of the times they're not able to execute. This is what separates the best, I think, because I, I talk about it all the time. I can give you a strategy right now that can be you know on paper accurate, right? But that doesn't mean that you can perform there and you can perform at the level, let's say, of those traders that are making massive gains. And so I think this is one way that that traders need to always try not to be so comparable to each other, because if I try to compare my trades to Chris, it can be very different, you know, And, and our personalities can be very different. Maybe I can't do what Chris does in this strategy, but maybe he can't do what I can do in another and that's what's always important. So realize, hey, if find traders that work like you, that mm-hmm. have that personality, build off of those kinds of traders. Don't try to always just look for the trader that makes the most money because and we know those are highly execution guys. Those, those are guys that they don't miss on the dime. And so with that being said, I think that's how the market gets that, that 5 to 10%. There's, there's going to be that execution and you need to learn to get to that level if you really want to make it in the long run in this game. And you have to experiment like you were saying earlier, right? Because I, I tried day trading. Um, mm-hmm. I tried, uh, you know, just stock trading, uh, yeah. like like swing trading. And when I say just stock trading, I mean like, you know, if if I could buy, if my capital allowed me to buy 10 shares, I bud buy 10 shares. And I'd be like, this is boring. The right? all in, all, all in kind of method. Yeah. Uh, and and it didn't didn't really work for me. And day trading, um, that that was just too stressful, right? Putting these large position sizes on, trying to get those tiny movements to happen, and it was like this is not for me. I, I mean, there were times where I was like, I'm gonna get an ulcer doing this, and like I'd be breaking out sweating. <laughs> yeah, this this is not the right Chris, style for you, me. You know what? I started using how much I I started looking into day trading. I had a heartbeat monitor. And I had a rule that if I, my heart was trading at a certain beats per minute, per, per minute, that I was not going to allow myself to trade. No, no. So I, I would literally be there looking at my watch, which was a heartbeat monitor. And I'd be like, okay, can I trade here? How's my heart doing? Because Dude. man, you'll feel it in day trading. That's, that's one thing. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. It. What, what I settled on that works really well for me is, um, using options because with options, you can have more leverage and it, it becomes a better game in my opinion, because you can, you can do a lot more with options. Like you can have different strategies. You can lever up or lever down versus just buying a stock. Right. And you can, you can make a lot more money. And, and as I have proved, you can definitely lose a lot more money if you don't know what you're doing. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I definitely say that I figured out every way not to make money. Uh, but for me, that, I, I gravitated to options early because I understood that the leverage could really work, but I had to figure out, I had to figure out how I could work the leverage for me. And once that happened, it all clicked like all at once. So how do you trade? Do you, do you use a lot of options? Do you, do you go stock? Do you go futures? What do you do? A lot of times, uh, nine out of 10 times, it's going to be pure common stock. Reason why is that I, I feel like options they change so much in value that I need to keep a, a closer eye on it. Not necessarily that I don't think I can make more money trading options. I think, yeah, when you, when you, when you trade well and you're, you're accurate, yeah, you go the option route, you probably will make more money. But one thing that I try to do is a lot of the times I'm going off of daily levels 
off of daily charts. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to stick to the common stock there. A lot of times this is going to be approaches of, of sizing in correctly. Um, a lot of times I'm trading more based off the sectors. So I feel like when I have to go into, let's say, a, a macro to micro and then go into the options, look at the volume there. It gets a little bit too complicated there. I, once I want to buy a stock because I feel the charts right, I feel the story right, I feel the fundamentals right, I want to go ahead and just get in it. I don't want to go ahead and start doing too much of analysis there because one of my weaknesses, and I found this through day trading, was missing trades. What I mean by missing trade, it's not necessarily FOMO, the fear of missing out. It's more along when I had a fully set plan And then I start getting right before the entry, I start getting way too analytical. And then I end up hesitating and not taking the trade. And then you see the plan work. This is one of the worst things that can happen as a trader, because one of the things you do is you look back at your own confidence and you're like, why am I struggling at that that moment? And one of the things that I realized is that I'm very analytical and I already make that approach before I get into the trade. So once I've gone through my analytics, my I, I agree with the story, I agree with the fundamentals, the technicals. I don't want to do any more analysis mm-hmm. after that point. I want to go ahead and just get into the stock, not get myself too much in my head. Dude, that makes a ton of sense. For me, when I'm trading, I start with the sectors, just like what you're talking about there. Because there have been two or three times this year, there's been a sector run like an uh, oil earlier this year. And I feel like I did it oil again later in the year. Um, and right now financials. You're killing that, it on the financials. I dude, saw that. Been monster. Um, but yeah, you find the sector that's running and going to go back to another book reference, uh, an incredible book called How I Made $2 Million in Stock Market by Nicholas Darvish. Incredible. And that's where I got the sector idea from was from him. He's like, look, if the sector's running, just buy everything in the sector. And when they don't start, when 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 you find the ones in the sector that are working for you, keep those. And the ones that aren't working for you, drop them off. And I was like, that's brilliant. So I start with the sector and then I work my way down to see who is lined up in that sector uh, that meets all my trade criteria. And then I go to my uh, my uh, uh, broker and then I, I'm in there and I'm like, okay, who's liquid, right? Because that's another thing that in options, you got to be very aware of because there can be some times where you want to get in and there's like four contracts in open interest. And it's like, I'm not going to be number five because I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go find a bid and I'm going to have to go find an ask. And I'm not interested in that. So I look for, you know, something that's got 300 or more on the open interest, which even 300 is kind of low. Uh, Cause you know, you got to spy and it's like 50,000 per, right. But you don't always get the opportunities in spy. So there, yeah, it, it's a, it's a very layered approach. And essentially along the way, I'm like, what along this way, can tell me not to make the trade. If I get all the way to the bottom and everything lined up, it's like, there's nothing that says I don't take the trade. I have to take the trade, Mitch. It's That's it's literal truth. math. If I don't take the trade, I've invalidated my system. That's what people don't understand. Right there, that last little bit, I think is, is the gold here, really, is that at the end of the day, if we're going to develop a system, we need to trade that system. Exactly. And if, we, and if we go and deviate even the, smart, the slightest bit, what you do, and I talk about this all the time, is you kill your probability. You kill the mathematical advantage. We need to have some edge. Don't kill your own edge by not following your system. Literally, I see this happen so much where a trader does well for three months and then in one trade, they ruin those three months of gains. Oh, yeah. Just, beca- just because why? You deviated from the system. Mm-hmm. When you look back and you in- analyze it, what is it going to be? Nine out of 10 times. It wasn't that you traded the worst stock in the world. That, that, that's, that's what it was. No. You deviated from your system, man. Mm-hmm. And you've taken these years to hone and refine those systems. And then it's like, oh, spy's looking good. I'll day trade spy today. And then you've blown it Boom. up because it didn't work. And that's not how you trade. And you were bored. Happens trying to all the time. Trades. Yeah, for sure. But I, I love how you brought up the sector things. I'm going to actually show here a little bit, a, a tool that I use uh, to try to be 
on the right side, right? We always want to be on the the herd, trading with the herd. And one of the things that I always think about is where's the rotation? Rotation, rotation, rotation. Because that's what we found out and, and we all kind of know from let's say bigger traders, institutional traders, the big, the big guys at Goldman Sachs that have a million dollars or more on their account to throw at it. That's what they're looking at. So I try to do that same thing. Of course, I'm not trying to do it as big as they are. I'm just trying to be a little small dog in their game. Yeah. So um, one thing I always say is, is there a rotation put on here? What is the market going to do in six months? And so I'm always trying to be a little bit out in front of trends. So like um, we'll go into a little bit of a trend that I'm looking at right now. Um, you can see this on the left-hand side right now, gambling. But really what I always try to do is look at the percentage change from the open a lot of the times because that's going to help me at least find what's moving right now. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, anyone can take a pre-market uh, approach, but we know that things change at that open. And, and so what I want to be is I want to be on the side that's moving up the fastest from the opens, getting that momentum. So I'll, I'll look for right now, like you could see consumers defensive is what was pushing for us. Then we can move into the industry look. You always want to go ahead and I, I like to go a little bit. So from macro to micro approach, we're going bigger. We start at the sector. Then we look at the industries. Is there a certain industry that's performing way better in that sector. And that's why the sector is going up. Not necessarily that every single thing here is, let's say, up 1% on the right-hand side, the industries. No, there's, there's, there's a leading industry here, right? There's packaged food and confections. So from that point, you can go and work even smaller. Let's say we were in packaged food, we can start working into the stocks. So then I'll actually go into each stock And I can even just put my cursor here and just look down and just move through it on the daily. What's moving and why is it moving? Does any of these charts stand out to me? Once I find a uh, chart that stands out to me, that's the technical approach, right? And we said that we do three variables. This is just getting me to my technical stocks that I feel line up correctly. At that point, I can start looking into the stock, looking at what the stock does. Is this industry trending right now? We can know that the industry is trending because we did our macro to micro approach. Then we can look at the fundamentals of that stock. We can look, hey, all right, so did they have earnings recently? How how are the analysts looking at this? What are their price ratings? And then the story, always find the stocks that are trending social. Um, Right now, I'm all about calling it the new investor because the new investors are really here trying to pay attention to what they don't pay attention to the technicals. They don't pay attention to the fundamentals. I mean, just look at AMC, you you know, a clear example of story, bringing a stock to heights, all time heights. That is a story approach. And when the story is hot, sometimes I'm going to tell you the fundamentals and technicals don't even matter, but that's why I try to do the all three approach because I don't want to get caught too much believing in that the story is just going to drive the stock. So we take that backwards approach. Let's find the right stocks to be in. Let's say uh, we're looking at consumer cyclicals. Okay, so we know consumer cyclicals have often what? Seasonality, right? And so we're looking for seasonality to come into play with these. One that I just recently have been calling out for the last two to three months is gambling. Why? Because at the end of the day, I I think, you know, one thing that is going to come out of a new kind of area, which is sports betting, because this is kind of a a newer area, is that we learned that what? Let's go back. Let's go back on the chart, right? Let's go back on the chart. Let's take a look here. In In June and July, what happened here last year. Last year, we ended up getting a retrace, right? It eventually broke out in where? In early August. That's why I was looking for seasonality to come back into play this year. Is this a relatively new industry? Yes. So you could, you have to wait a little bit. You can't be too much on the gun. If this was an industry that's been around for so long, yeah, I would have been probably more on the gun as soon as I saw that break in August. But let's go back. Let's see what we did. 
right? So we had a quick pullback in July. And as we got into August, one of the things that I could clearly see was, hey, let's take, let's pay attention to the trend, right? So I don't use RSI to trade off of, but I want to use it a lot of the times to show me the trend and show me changes of trend, maybe confirmation even. Um, but as you can see, we were coming down towards, I think this was even 15 here, uh, let's say nine, nine on that RSI there. Um, when we were coming down on the 19th, this is when everyone was thinking that it was, it was going to crack. Everyone was looking at me probably like I'm crazy. But at that point, what, the, what, what you got to do is just stick to where's the support here, right? And so you can clearly see we went back down to that support. Can we close back above it? That day, we ended up getting back above and trending right back into the trend. Mm -hmm. So we ended up kind of wicking down <clears throat> to the pattern. That just shows me that, hey, let's see if strength comes into play now because we expected it to come into what? Into August because it's a football season. That's the story here. The story is football is going to start. Everyone's going to go out there and start betting, right? And so now I want to see the technicals follow that story. Now that we started getting this lift, what did we end up getting during this time? We ended up getting what? Analysts to go ahead and start increasing their price ratings. Boom, you start seeing the fundamentals change. You start seeing the earnings come out in these stocks. You start seeing stocks like what? DraftKings and Penn making acquisitions during this time. There's a reason why the story is going to get hot here. And so stocks, a lot of the times, they don't want to go ahead and make acquisitions when they think their stock's going to get piled down and driven down. They want to go ahead and do this when they can see the sentiment coming back into their stock so that they can go ahead and, and, and you know how it happens. A lot of times we'll get offerings at the top. There's a reason why they see the momentum too. They see where their price is going and then they go ahead and attack it. We're attacking this because we expect this to keep going. Now I've had the basket of these. I've sold some of these like RSI. Um, I'm holding a, a couple other, but I have Genie, I believe in Bally, um, I even gave out SCR as one. And then guess what happens? Acquisition. So one of the things that I want to do is not be in one of these names. That's why I'm mentioning multiple, because when we can really slow things down, right, and, and get into more of a, okay, so I see this look, I see this trend that we're going to get into. Let's try to find the top, the cream of the cream, right? And so ETFs, what do they do? They get the basket of the whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I try to take the approach that I, and, and some people kill me for this, but I try to take an approach that can be a little bit better than those ETFs. Why? Because I don't have to take that that big of a risk adverse position. I can take a little bit more into the leaders and try to get that momentum in the top names because the top names are probably going to move. I say anywhere from 20 to 30% on these pops. Um, that's what I'm trying to go for. That's what my data tells me. That's my sweet spot, 20 to 30. That's what I'm trying to make on these names. Um, and I'm trying to risk about five or 10%. A lot of times it's somewhere in between there, um, but that's kind of the risk. Um, so when I take these approach, I'm trying to get the top five names. The top five I feel are going to make the move. A lot of times this is going to be one leader and then the rest of them are going to be more along based off of long-term supports that I feel can get a trend based on the industry themselves, not necessarily even the names. Like for me, um, you could like SCR, it's not necessarily that I believe so much in that name, but I believed in the industry to bring it back. It was off of a monthly support. And so I was like, okay, we got monthly support here, multiple touches. Let's put a risk right underneath it and see if it starts trending with the industry if we get an industry pop. And that's, that's what happens. A lot of times you're not going to see it. It's just going to react. The next thing you know, you can be like, okay, I had that, that timing correct. If for any reason your timing in the area that you're looking for, it doesn't get that reaction, that's when I immediately go risk off. And I'll start trying to start, even if I have a small gain, I'll start very limiting the positions. I'll go down to maybe even lower than 5% diversity on all the names. Because at this point, you're going to get some losers. You're going to have, probably have to cut some losers, keep some of the winners, and then start looking to see if that trend comes into it. If it does, then you can add to those winners. If it doesn't, we stay out. We take the little gain that we got. 
And usually what you end up is with a break-even kind of return. And you're like, okay, I, they, they got me this time. Let me see if I can find the next rotation. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to do, Chris, on, on, on a monthly to quarterly basis. I'm trying to look ahead. One of the areas that I'm looking forward to is LIDAR technology. So I started taking a look at that. I haven't taken any positions, mm-hmm. but that's me six months ahead, starting to look not at where we're at right now. Gambling was the one I was looking at now. Now I need to look forward. I need yeah. to see what am I, what's going to happen in January for us? What's going to happen in February for us? That's what I'm starting to look at. Yeah. Well, man, it, it, it sounds like your investing style very much fits that can slim William O'Neill type. So I'd certainly check, recommend you check that out. Plus that, uh, how I made $2 million in stock market by Nicholas Darvish. It sounds like I won't, such be, a, mad. I won't be mad, Chris, you know, $2 million. No, exactly. It sounds like such a clickbaity title and it, and it really was, but it came out in like the fifties. And that was a lot of what he did was he, he would find the sector that's doing really well and just ride those trends as long as it can. And then, you know what, once the trend turns around, you get out, right? That's it. I, I would assume you're not the kind of person who adds to losers or am I, am I wrong? No, no, you don't want to do that. I mean, I, I've gotten to the point where sometimes let's say if the market is just getting driven down on a position, that's, that's a little bit different. I'll usually have some cash on the side to improve positions. Sometimes if the market is being driven down, not the name, because if the name's being driven down, let's say the market's going up, that's already a sign. That's all. That's a, that's yeah. a quick red flag. Yeah. You're like, hold on, hold on. So th- you're telling me the indexes are performing, but my stock is not performing. That should be an instant red flag. And you should, I'll even sometimes, and I get mad at myself for, for these, but I'll cut these even before the risk. But that's just because I try to be so much risk adverse sometimes. And then I'll tell myself, even if the trade goes up, I just got to tell myself, I didn't see what I wanted to see you know, on an immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. And this is there's a point when you first take a trade, it should kind of more go into that immediate gratification uh, versus you just feeling the pain really quickly. If you yeah. feel the pain really quickly, um, maybe, maybe you're well, a lot of the times I think it's just timing so much the timing in trading. I mean, an hour makes a huge difference. Oh, we yeah, all know this. Sure. So um, sometimes you're not going to be right on the timing. It's okay. It's okay to admit it. Be like, Hey, I was early to the gun. Let me, let me cut it before uh, I realize, or, or like, let's say you, everything lined up in this stock, perfect pre-market trade. You're your day trader. You see it, you see it lift, you get in it. Next thing you know, the index has just turned down on you. You, you have know, the perfect trade. Yeah. It, th- there's a, there's an old the trader market. saying that it's uh, to be a successful trader. You have to have strong opinions that are loosely held. And when I explain that to people, I don't think they they grasp it unless they've actually been there, right? My strong yeah. opinion is this stock is going up and I'm going to buy it. I'm going to put my hard-earned money at risk. But if I'm wrong, you better believe that I'm dropping that dude as fast as possible. That's yeah. the loosely held part. That's what it means to be a trader because you, you have to conceptualize you're going to be wrong and that's okay. Once you just are okay with being wrong, the entire thing changes, right? Hundred percent, absolutely. It's because you're not wrong. Just the market didn't go your way. That's what I think a lot of the times. It's not that it's you're not personal. wrong. Yeah. It, it, if it was a right or wrong thing, then when we make trading decisions, there should be like literally black and white approach, right? It's not that. I can tell you guys that. I don't care what anybody says. There's no. way to trade. Even they tell you this, I don't know where they got it. (laughs) They're trying to feed you something. (laughs) But at the end of the day, there's no one way. It's not black and white. It's not just I'm right and wrong. It's the probability. Get in the trading mindset. Once you get in that mindset, it's all. I I ask myself a lot of times, just am I taking the right setup? Just ask yourself that. If, if from that point, you can't control the market. I wish, you know, maybe mm-hmm. if I was Kathy, you know, I could, but <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. Unfortunately, Chris, uh, I can't Not throw a mil- I can't just keep throwing millions and millions at it, you know, but maybe one day, Hey, maybe one day, but even then 
we know how those people end up. A lot of times those are the heroes that end up like zeros. Yeah. So sure. uh, one thing I, I want to continue doing is just continue learning that one, one of the skills that I'm right now is learning is how to add to my winners. It's one of the things that is, I think is the hardest thing to learn in trading. I've been at trading now for over five years and I still, to this day, I'm, I'm working on this skill. If anything, I'm, I'm trying to get even better at it because I do think it's a positive, but I also understand how important it is to get in at that right level that you're adding. If not, like I talked about it this morning on Benzinga, you end up a pig and we know Dude, how those pigs do. Here's what I, and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll share my screen. Make sure I'm doing it correctly. You know how important this is, Chris. I do. Just because I recently went through a big drawdown because I um, totally botched how to add to winners. And then I was, then I, I took a lot of time, researched it, and I'm like, there you go. That's how you do it. Hang on. I'm trying to figure out the button to click to share my screen. Where, where am I missing it? It should just be right there. Yeah, at the bottom there. Share screen. Okay. Screen oh, two. Boom. It's almost like I know what I'm doing, but sometimes I don't. All right. So here's what I have learned, Mitch. You know, we talked about this on the episode I was on the other day. Um, financials, right? Mm -hmm. So they've been doing tremendously well. And I'm following this one on the five-day exponential moving average, which is the gray line right there. Mm -hmm. The way that I have figured out how to add to winners is it must... Absolutely, 100% set up your criteria exactly the same as if it were your first position, right? So imagine this is position two. It has to exactly fit what it would be for position one. But there's one other caveat, I guess you could say. It needs to move higher than one average true range. And let's see if I still have this. No, the, the average true range is essentially the average of the price movements over the last 14 days. So let's say it's a dollar, right? So I got in this one at 71.42 and I'm going to draw a line here. And let's say, for example, that the average true range was a dollar. You could get in at 72.42 because now it's established a new level. It's established a new uh, true range position to, to start mm -hmm. from. And as long as it matches up with everything you've had before and is at least one average true range above, you could, in theory, Take the same unit size. So if your unit size is one contract, 10 contracts, 10 shares, whatever, add another unit. And this is how the turtle, turtle trading system worked, uh, pioneered by Richard Dennis back in the 80s. One average true range, then you can add one more unit. But the part where I was messing up was I would let it go basically too far, right? Because that's a question a lot of traders have is how do I make sure I don't get into a stock that's extended too far? And that's where um, one of my one of my friends that I've had on the podcast a bunch of times, he's a professional trader. Uh, he recommended that I add on my chart Keltner channels. And a Keltner channel is two average true ranges above the 20-day exponential moving average. And that's what this line is up here. That's floating above the shares, right? And there's only so often that it ever goes above that line. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're adding your shares when it's below that line, you're fine, right? Because it's only every so often that it goes above then. As you can see, it went above and now it's coming back down below. And I may even get out today on this one if it goes below this gray line. But I added below the, uh, the second Keltner channel line, which is two average two ranges. So that to me, and that's, that's a lesson someone could take away from here, is if you're going to add, make sure it's at least one average two range above where you got in. And then that it's not above the second Keltner channel. So there, there is one way to just call your risk and say, you know what? If I get in and it rocket ships, because it happens, uh, who is one I got in? Allie, AMD, right? You remember AMD had that big run last week. Um, I only got one lot in on that. And I was so bummed because it rocket shipped, right? Mm -hmm. I got in here at 95. And then by the end of that day, it had crested over the uh the keltner channel there two average true ranges above the um the the uh, 20 day exponential moving average so i could have added at for start at 95 97 100 
I got out at 110, but I only had my smallest unit. But at the same time, I didn't overextend myself. And I didn't have a point where I was like regretting that I got in too late. Because earlier this year in Bank of America, this was my biggest loss I've taken in two years. And I bought it here at the tippy top of that, right? So if you look at this bar, it's like, yeah, I'm going to draw a circle. I bought it right there at the tippy, tippy top. And I, I shouldn't have. I was adding to my positions and then I bought it right at the top. And as you can see, it just like crashed right down below then. And we don't know if it's going to go there or if it's just going to, you know, continue going down. Mm-hmm. So I cut my losses and I would have avoided that completely had I just been mindful of, you know, this uh, overbought level. I don't use RSI. RSI, if it's strong, I think you mentioned this earlier. If it's strong, it just means you're in a really strong trend. It doesn't yeah. signal that it's overbought. This is I, a nice I don't way. think those are, I don't think RSI, it was even probably meant to be traded off of. No, I don't think meant, so either. It was always meant to show trend. And that's all. I mean, I mean, I just want to know if it's strong trending. That's, that's, that's what my question is a lot of times when I ask the RSI, but I do like this approach of, of using that channel because one of the things that I, at least I've been doing is more long taking the approach of hourly supports. Um, so a lot of times I look at hourly supports, like right now, DraftKings is one that I've been adding multiple times to, uh, I haven't watched it too much today, but, it, uh, I even wanted to add to it again today because it was having an hourly pullback. But one thing I, I'm really trying to do is look for the stocks that also continue the pattern, right? Uh, like if, it, if the stock's not trading clean, then these are probably the stocks that I don't want to be adding to the winners. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes this is going to happen. Like let's say um, RSI to me, um, it gapped up pretty significantly. And then it got to the point where like that gap is such a good, it's such a big gap. A lot of the times you see these gaps get filled, right? And so I don't want to go ahead and keep trying to add on after that gap because the extension was so high. Yeah. And so sometimes... I think it, I think there's a, a mix to this. It's not just add to every winner. You need to know mm-hmm. exactly when these winners are really good high conviction are going to take off and staying with the trend. Not necessarily just like chop, chop and still going up. No, we want to see these kind of holding hourly patterns, 15 minute patterns, uh, multi time frames where I can see clear charts and then the volume come in, boom, breakout. I'm like, okay. Hey, this is, this is going in that same kind of, we make a bull flag, we break out of it. We make another bull flag, we break out of it. Those are clean looking charts that I'll attack and I'll try to try to jump on it. Like I say, when the river flows and you're seeing the industries go in your direction, you're seeing everything work. Those are times when we got to learn how to press the gas pedal a little bit. If we learn how to press the gas pedal a little bit. We can expand our returns for when that next wave down oh, yeah. happens and then, Boom, we're not we're not that stressed out, you know, um, and, and I think this is this is this is also not one way, right? This is this is something that you need to find what works for you, yes. what works in your in your data, because sometimes you might learn, hey, I just get way too emotional when I add to trades, and maybe I just need to stick to my original entry size, and and then that's okay too. I I think that's that's fine too because you're taking an approach. And like you said, once we take this ad approach, it's like a brand new trade. And if you're not considering it that, then a lot of times that's when you get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you got to consider it a brand new trade. Some traders, I think, just can't do this mentally. It's just not their strength to, to think of a, a new trade, even though they're in the trade. They mm-hmm. still think about their old position, how that was, and they can't get they can't get that to the side. Um, and so with that being said, if your personality doesn't match to ad, it's okay. I think the, you know, that, that can be something that's just not, not you. And then just stick to the way that you you've been doing your game because also I've had great positions. Like let's say Tesla, Tesla, I should have been adding, but I can tell you right now, but a stock that's trading up that high. And when you have that big of a position, it's hard. Yeah, It's definitely hard. And in a stock that's moving 10, 20 points, it's hard. You know, I, I like I had a great position at like seven, uh, 600 before we ran up to 690 and all along the way I wanted to add, but I was like, you know what, I'm not going to ruin a great entry price here. If I don't feel I know the level 
to add on. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the level. I didn't clearly understand the level. And because of that, I just took the gain that it gave me. And that, that I don't think is a bad approach either, because at the end of the day, it's what works for you guys out there. I'll tell you, it, I, I think I've said it like 20 times in this interview, but at the same time, Look back at your data, how you can execute your strategy and how well, like, let's say if you say, I'm going to get out at $30, that's my reward target when I started the trade. Then look back, did you really get out at 30? Did you get out at 29.80? Did you get out at 30.20? Because that's going to end up showing you how greedy and ungreedy you are. Um, and, and then from that, you can start adjusting your strategy to get you the gains that you need. Yeah, well said. Well, Mitch, we covered a lot today. Uh, obviously, you and I could go a all long day. time, all, all day. day. I don't think, I mean, all day. I think we could do this every single day. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is that when when people can feel your passion, it's contagious, right? And that's why things get shared. That's why things um, go viral. That That's why Benzinga can blow up, you know, 10x its numbers within a year. That's because you and your team have brought a lot of people that have conviction and enjoy what they're doing, right? I really, honest to God, I call this a, a video game, right? I was having to sit down with my mom the other day and she's like, Chris trading so risky, you could lose it all tomorrow. And I'm like, not really. Cause you know, even with COVID, I was out a week before COVID it's, you got to be aware, you got to see what's coming. Right. And, and it's rare that even the black Monday in 1987, they, you saw that coming three days before it actually happened. And it's the passion that drives and fuels us. And that's why it makes such great content and it's so shareable. And, you know, I don't, when I try and talk about this with my wife, she glazes over faster than a donut because (laughs) this is not her thing whatsoever. And I I feel so blessed. I've been able to find people on the same wavelength, right. And, uh, and talk to them and, and, uh, chat with them. And I've learned a hell of a lot because of the podcast. And, you know, I'd really recommend people going back, listen to old episodes, because there's so much knowledge that has been dropped by the guests that it has made my trading just astronomically different so mitch i really appreciate your time man we went through a lot covered a lot and you dropped a lot of knowledge bombs so i appreciate that very much definitely guys well definitely check out benzinga if you get a chance Um, i'm on there monday tuesdays and friday on my own show 4 p.m eastern or you guys can check spacks attack i love that show because it's going over an asset class yeah it's not new but definitely changed the game in in, you know 2020-21 i think at the end of the day these are more of investment stocks so definitely not more of your trading vehicles but something that I love to do is always learn the stories, right? The stories are a part of that investment. And that's what I like to take the approach. So if you guys think the story is something that you guys want to learn more about, definitely check me out. And Chris, I, I appreciate you bringing me on. My my pleasure, Mitch. I appreciate it very much. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're gonna find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade, and that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. (laughs) And the only way I'm gonna be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're gonna get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading.
Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter, and I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit timminutestocktrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.